David. Hi. Hi, it's Roland here. How are things? Not so bad. I'm sorry I'm late in ringing you. That's okay. I mean, it's, i got to tell you, Roland, it's very slow here this morning because it's quite misty and wet. Okay. So that's all right. Well, we can still we can still record away. It might give people a, a better chance to talk to you as well, would it? I think hopefully it will. Hopefully it will. Okay. Well, do we want to start away? Okay. Okay. Where are you? Can you describe to me where you are and, and what you can see? Well, I'm in Union Square, which is really slap bang in the middle of downtown Manhattan. Um, it's actually quite dark here now. It's October and. The farmers for the Union Square Green Market are just rolling in now, and they're setting up. It's misting. It's quite dark, and I see lots of people pouring out of the subway on their way to work. And you work in the markets, do you? I work at Union Square Green Market. I have worked here for five years now. I'm the operations manager, and before that, I actually used to work for one of the farmers here part-time, and I loved it. I just said, wow, this is such a great little community in a, in a huge city, uh, very tight community, and that's what's, I think that's what's most attractive about the place, really, is once you come in here, you really uh, get to meet and know a lot of people very intimately, and I fell in love with it, so I said, hey, how am I going to get a, how can I get a full-time job here, and something opened up in the program, and I went for it. How, how close is the nearest farmer? I would have thought farmers must be miles and miles and miles out in New York City. Well, I have, a, I have a man here right beside me, Mr. Ted Blue from Oak Grove Plantation, New Jersey. Good morning. Ted, I am talking to a gentleman from Ireland who's uh, on, on the radio, and he's asking me some questions about, you know, what time do these farmers get up at? I get up at 3 o'clock. I get here about uh, quarter to 6, sometimes 5.30. We spend the whole day creating a stand and selling to people. We're usually out of here by 7.30. I get home at 9.30 at night. It's nothing to complain about because, you know what, because in a sense it's, it's a break of pace, you know. Yeah. If sometimes you get in a rut and you get doing things on the farm you don't always like to do, it's a, it's a break away from it. You come here and it's like almost a vacation in a sense. I'll probably sound crazy. You probably think I'm nuts. Is he on his first or second million when you ask him? <laughs> I wish. If I was on my first or second million, I wouldn't be here talking to Davey Hughes. I'd be at home counting my money and investing it. Ronan, here's the irony. I mean, your farm, which is about 160 acres in Hunterdon County. That's right. The value of that is quite quite large. Well, we were offered last year $4 million for that piece of property. Uh, It's it's worth that much and more to us because we can produce our crops there. Um, When my wife and I bought the farm, we wanted to raise a family in that type of setting where where we could provide them with a, a good home and a good environment. So... It's not a bad thing. Davey, can you describe Ted's stall for us? Yeah, I was going to say, Ted, so what you, you were setting up here. We, your truck, Ted, is packed with, with what right now? Right now we have uh, sweet corn, winter squash, uh, heirloom tomatoes, uh, apples, cider, flour, uh, hot peppers, sweet peppers, herb plants, and I'm sure I missed something. Thanks very much. <laughs> not a problem. I'm walking on, Ronan. Where are you from, Davey? I'm from, I'm from County Mayo. In Ireland, Bellinac County, Mayo, in Ireland. Are you long gone? Twelve years. All right. Just while you're walking, tell me what happened when you left Mayo. What age did you leave, and and, uh, that type of thing? Well, I, you know, I went to uh, the National College of Art and Design in in Dublin, and I graduated from there in in, uh, '93, I believe, with a degree in, in design, industrial design. 
um, and I went to England for a year to continue my studies in, in the Surrey Institute of Art and Design. What kind of art were you doing? I was doing, actually, I was doing media studies there, you know, as a kind of a pop culture degree, as I used to call it. Then I actually came back to Dublin and I went into Dublin City University to do communications. And I dropped out. I was like seven years into college and I just burnt out. I was like, oh, i got to get a real job. So, I, you know, this was Ireland before the Celtic Tiger, as it were, and it was a very depressed time. And I just couldn't get work. I was unemployed and I was on social welfare and I was living in Inchicore for about a year. The funny thing was, Ronan, I never lived as well as I did that year in Dublin when I was unemployed. Why? You know, I had rent allowance, fuel allowance, but I was just browned off, as it were. So I had friends out here who said, come on out to New York, because there's so much going on out here. So I, I came out, and um, I did everything. I mean, I was illegal at the time, so I had to work off the books, and it was a marvelous experience, a, mar- a marvelous life experience, really, just working. Sure, yeah. In doing everything. I did maintenance, I did wagering, bartending, I did carpentry, construction, but that did get old pretty quickly after about five years. You know, it was, um, it's a hard slog. Being, you know, being illegal is a hard slog out here and, you know, you, you, kept, you don't have a driver's license and you don't have health insurance or all of those things and you can't get really legitimate job. It's very difficult too. But what happened to me was I, I fell in love and I got married to an American woman and... We have a son now who's four years old, Jack, and I guess things went from there. You know, I got legitimized in terms of citizenship, and, you know, life is funny, as it were, because I'd never have guessed in a million years I'd be out here in the middle of New York City working with farmers, you know, in an urban environment. As my my mother says, you know, you come 3,000 miles to get away from these bleeding farmers, and now you're working with them in New York. You wanted to go mar- get married. Did you have to do one of those green card interviews to prove that you weren't um, faking it, your your relationship? I did. We actually had to do that. Now it, it's not as Gosh. it's not as um, I guess they, they really romanticize it in the in the Hollywood film. I think green card, but it's quite similar to that. They, you do actually have to show documentation of a, of a life together. And they'll ask you a couple of questions. Like I remember the lady asked me the color of my wife's eyes without looking at her. And a couple of intimate questions like that. The rest of us could wander along not really caring much about those kind of things, couldn't they? I mean, it's only when you're asked something like that and you're really put under pressure. How do you, what kind of documentation do you have to record your lives together? I mean, if you have separate bills or... How do you, how do, you do it? Well, you have your marriage license. It's good to show some kind of lease in in, 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 in your uh, oh, joint names. Right, okay. Uh, joint bank accounts, that kind of thing. And also photographs that, you know, you're at the beach together or you're, you know, a history of, of, of time spent together. That's kind of humiliating, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. What photographs did you show? We showed a whole swath of pictures. We, we go out to uh, Santa Fe a lot. Actually, every year we go out there. And so we showed some pictures of going out there and other places around New York City that we went to. That's embarrassing. Yeah, but it's a small part of it, Rona. It's a small part of it. It's mostly just handing over papers. Can you, where are you now in the market? Actually, you know what? The sun has now come up. It's very cloudy, but it's actually daylight now. And the market is beginning to fill up a little more. Um, I have a gentleman here who's unloading blueberries in crates, which is, you know, it's actually un- unusual this time of year to have still have blueberries and raspberries, but we do have them. And he's got lovely buckets of cut sunflowers as well here. Sounds gorgeous. Um, and then I have a bread stand to my right, organic whole grain breads that's set up ready to go, and past that I have Cherry Lane Farms with some great corn and potatoes and Brussels sprouts which are just coming in now too 
And are they paying a premium? How much more expensive is the are the farmers' products than they would get in shops? Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal did a, did a, a study of prices uh, last year, and we actually fared quite well in terms of comparisons with supermarkets. And some of our markets uptown, the product at those markets would be very reasonably priced and also, I guess, geared towards the demographic because Manhattan is very diverse. So in uh, Hispanic neighborhoods or in African-American neighborhoods, they're eating different vegetables or different farm produce than they are in, in white neighborhoods. Well, I, I would not go so far as to say that, but I know, you know, f- certain cultures have a, you know, an, atta- an attraction towards certain vegetables. For example? For example, I mean, you'd have, you know, even at Union Square, we have some farmers here who would produce a lot of lovage, which is a, I never knew this, but Romanians apparently love lovage. Lovage is a, it's an herb, but it's very strong, intense, celery-like taste. And Romanians come in and flock to, to these stands for Gosh. this lovage. We have Jamaican ladies who come in here by the dozen when the seasoning peppers, hot chili peppers, are in season, and they buy those for making jerk chicken. We have Orthodox Jewish people who come in here and get radishes. Radishes is something they like to eat a lot of. We have a lot of Mexicans, Mexican chefs, Mexican restaurants who come in and whip up herbs like epizote, which is a herb you would use to cook beans with, uh, cilantro. I think you might say coriander over there. God, that's amazing. That's an incredible way to view the world, isn't it, through the food? Yeah, it, that's exactly. It's, that is a credible way to view the world. And a lot of the farmers here will have evolved. and you know, They'll have come in as something. And just from those interactions with chefs and with customers, can you grow this for me? I really want to get this. Do you ever have... They will, they will actually start to grow it. And it's, you know, their stand will evolve to meet the customer demand. Now, you sent us some fantastic photographs, which we put on the Curious Ear web page. Um, but the stuff looks so luscious and so colorful. Is it really like that? Well, let me, t- let me introduce you to another gentleman here, Alex Paffenroth. I'm standing in front of his stand now, and he's got this amazing variety of carrots. You know, who knew? I mean, I didn't until I came here that carrots were, are not just orange. He has yellow carrots, and he has purple carrots, and little, little globe carrots called uh, thumbelinas, he calls them. And the gentleman is actually stacking them right now out of the crate in front of me, and they're just glistening here, all the water's coming off them. Beets of all sorts, chioga beets, red beets, golden beets, white beets. I'm going to try and get him on here for a, a few minutes. Alex, how are you? The pic- I sent Ronan some photographs and he's saying, my God, the, the, the quality and, and the size of the vegetables, are, are they really like that? Well, one of the reasons they're, uh, they look so good, they're uh, grown only about 50 miles from New York City, which only takes about an hour to get here. And in particular, my soil is uh, organic soil, which uh, it can only be used for farming. And there are certain things that we have here that you cannot get from a broker. You know, in my particular case, looking at my produce today, I have scorzonera. It's black salsify. I have sunchokes, which are my own version of sunchokes. Uh, we have uh, burdock root, burdock root, which Dave has been eating regularly for the last three years, and he looks great, and he's more healthy than he's ever been. Uh, <laughs> get back to it, Alex. I appreciate it. Okay, Dave. So it's all food. There's no um, crafts or, or um, baked goods or anything like that. It's all it's all vegetables, isn't it? And, and yeah, it's it's all agricultural products. But we also have 
fishermen and fisherwomen. Actually, and I have one here in front of me now. Maybe I can grab Stephanie. It's Stephanie Villani from Blue Moon Fish. And maybe you can say a few words about what you do and, and why you do it. Okay. Uh, my husband's a fisherman in eastern Long Island. And uh, we started bringing our fish into the city to do the farmer's markets. And it turned out, it was a sideline for my husband to make some extra money. But as it turned out, the demand was so great. And we, you know, we made more money. We kept more money for our fish because we can set the prices that it became our main business. So we've been doing this almost 20 years now. And uh, it's really great. Now, you were both New Yorkers, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You both lived in the city. Alex was lived in the city, New York City. Yes, right? Alex grew up in New York City and uh, got a job on a clam boat when he was 18. And I went to college in the city and worked at the green market on the weekends as an extra, you know, extra job. And that's how we met, through the green market. What's in season now? Well, oysters have just started. We have bluefish. Uh, we still have sword and tuna. That's going to be ending soon. Pretty soon we'll see... Um, the colder weather fish like uh, Boston mackerel and codfish. Thanks for your time, Stephanie. All right, you're welcome. But let me just say one thing about that. It, it, this place is like, it's like a bad drug. This this market, it's very, very hard to, to actually get away from it. And as you can see, or I hope you can see from these stories, it's not just about the money. People come here for all sorts of reasons. And a lot of it is just human contact. And it, it, it is like a bad drug. I call it... Uh, Shangri-La, commingled with Little Baghdad, I call it, this market sometimes, because it has the highs and it definitely has the lows too. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. As I say, we'll put the pictures up on the on the Curious Ear webpage on the RTE, the radio section of RTE.ie. And thank you very much, David Hughes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.